Welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about buying with a friend. Now, this comes from a listener of the show who sent you a wee message, I think, on Facebook, Andrew. Now, here's what they've asked. Two of his friends are wanting to buy an investment property together, but aren't fully sure whether it's a good idea or not. So he has his own house already as do his friends, which means he's got enough equity to buy an investment property on his own, but he doesn't have the cash flow to do it. Now, we'll dig into that at a moment. So hence, he's thinking, I need to go in with my friends for our first investment. Now, what are the pros and cons of buying with other parties for an investment property? So we're going to go through the pros and cons, then we'll come back to this specific situation, see what we think about this guy, whether he should do it or not. Let's go through the pros. Okay, first pro is you can buy when you otherwise couldn't. So I'll give you a great example. After the earthquakes happened and I started to buy a lot of earthquake damage properties, there were three of us in a property syndicate together. It was myself and my business partner of Opus at the time. And then there was another friend of ours, Nick, who invested with us. Now, Nick had really good equity, but his businesses were all in the hospitality industry. So they can be a lot more volatile than other types of businesses. And so we had good cash flow in our businesses. We combined the skills together and then Nick's expertise around project management, which allowed us to buy properties that we wouldn't have otherwise bought. And so built up quite a sizable portfolio at that stage. And I think in this situation as well is if there is something holding this investor back, let's say it's cash flow, he doesn't have the cash flow to top up a rental property. Well, if his friends are able to come in and provide that financial aid and he provides the equity, for instance, if that was a specific situation, well, that could mean they're all able to purchase where they otherwise might not be able to. And so that's really good. You can start on your property investment journey. The second thing that I'd say that's a big pro is it can make it less scary. So what I mean by that is one thing that can hold some investors back is if, oh, I'm just worried. I'm, I'm thinking about whether I should invest in a property or not. And going in with a, a buddy, with a friend, that can sometimes help to ease that pressure and make you think, you know what, let's go for it. And I'll give you an example of why that might logically help you out. So let's say that you're worried about, well, what's the worst case scenario that could happen? Well, maybe you lose your job and you're unable to top up that rental property if it's negatively geared, as most are today. Well, having somebody else with you can just say, well, maybe if I lost my job and Andrew and I invested together, he might be able to cover that rental top up for a wee bit. If Andrew loses his job, then maybe I can cover it. So it can provide a bit more, I want to call it peace of mind to just help you have the courage to take that next step. And I do think that can be a big pro if that's something holding you back. I guess the other thing as a, as a positive is that it can be quite fun to invest with friends. I mean, it's, it's fun if you're all making money, that's for sure. But also, you know, I remember when, again, with that syndicate that we had, you know, we'd go away once a year and we'd, we'd go and celebrate the successes that we had for the acquisitions that year. So it's good to make money together. Let's come across now to the cons though. And I do think that number one is that people's situations change. So what I mean by that is let's say you buy this property with two of your friends, then something happens to one of them. Maybe they want to move overseas. Maybe they unfortunately have a separation in their relationship and they need to liquidate down their portfolios in order to 
pay out their former partner. Let's say they have business issues and need access to the equity within that property or need to stop topping it up. You know, things can happen when you've got three different households or two different households investing in some property. And so that can be a big con because you don't know whether somebody's situation is going to change, when it's going to change. Let's say that you decide to buy this property and for you, it's a really long-term investment. It's 10, 15, maybe even 20 years that you want to hold this property for. Well, what happens when your friend wants to sell out and five? And what if it's not an opportune time to sell that property or there are some complications around buying them out and maybe you're not in the position to be able to do that? So I do think that is one of the biggest cons is just people's life situations change. It's perfectly fine for you to invest together and your goals are really aligned, but at some point do they diverge? And I actually think, again, that was a situation where Nick, Ollie and I were on the same page at the start, but then that changed. So when we started selling our properties that were in that portfolio, we made sure you know, we're outside of Brightline and everything like that. But it was much sooner than I would have wanted to. The other guys wanted to realise the capital and use that for other projects. I'd rather have kept it, but it was a two versus one vote. And so we sold those properties probably about two years too early. Number two con is it can stop you personally growing your portfolio later on down the track. And this depends a little bit on your lending. So the reason for this is because often banks will look at the servicing on the whole mortgage on that rental property rather than your 50% or third share. So what that means is when you apply for your new lending, your bank's going to calculate the repayments on that entire mortgage as if it was all your mortgage. So while it's great to get that property together, it can be detrimental later. And so what that means is that when you go and apply to purchase your next investment property, what happens? The servicing will just be much worse. And I think, just to put that in different terms, because this is a really important concept to get across, at least from your bank's perspective, they're looking at it as if you're going to be able to service this entire mortgage, even though you're going in thirds for it. But what's the trouble? They're looking at it as if you're going to service it all, but you're only going to get a third of the benefits out of it. So that's why it can stop you from investing further, because the alternative is you could potentially go and purchase one investment property that you get all of the benefit from. So it can make it a bit harder with servicing as you go on. And the third one is actually the opposite of what Andrew said before. Yes, it can be fun to invest with your friends, but it also can ruin a relationship. And I think it's all because you might agree something up front that seems fair at the time, but later on down the track you think, oh, well, maybe that doesn't seem fair. And that's where you can get into an argument. I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. Let's say you agree you're going to go a third, a third, a third in this investment, and you're going to share the capital gains and all of the profits from this investment, you're going to share it equally, a third, third, third. But then you maybe have one friend topping up more than another, or one friend's putting in more of the deposit than other people. And and then later down the track, you think, well, I'm the one spending the money. I should get the return from this or something along those lines. So you need to agree upfront really, really clearly what the terms of that deal are going to be. And I think that that's something we're going to cover in a minute because this is where things can get a little bit more messy and detailed. But what I do want you to do, Andrew, is give us a case study 
of a time when some buy and hold investors have done this, bought together, and it's worked out. So some investors that jumped to mind are some that did a testimonial years ago on our website. So a couple of families moved here from South Africa. Neither the friend's family had enough money to be able to invest themselves. So they combined their deposit and used their collective income to buy a rental property because they weren't in a position to buy their own house at that stage and they wanted to get into the New Zealand market. So they actually bought a house in Christchurch at that time and they owned that together for a number of years. Now they subsequently sold that, I don't know, five, seven years later, made quite a bit of money and took their deposits back along with the profits and then that allowed them to go and buy their own houses respectively. Oh, that's wonderful. And in that case, it's probably quite good that it was a short-term decision for them in terms of, I mean, I say five to seven years as if that's short term. Well, it is in property investment circles. Yes. For them, they didn't really know when they were going to need the money. And it was just that the house had gone up enough that that, that stage could return their money and buy their own I home. I think that's a really good case study. Now, let's just talk through what the process might be for this investor. You see, the first thing I do is talk to a mortgage advisor. It does sound like you're quite early in your decision of what you're going to do here. But the reason I suggest talking to a mortgage advisor first is you've said your limitation is cash flow. Now, what I don't know is whether you mean my limitation is I cannot afford to put in a top up to top up the cash flow of this investment property and hold it for the long term in terms of interest rates are high right now. So your expenses are probably larger than the rental income. It's negatively geared. You've got to top it up. Or whether you mean my servicing is tight, I'm struggling to get a mortgage. Because if you are struggling to get a mortgage from the servicing or income side, you may not actually be able to go in with your friend's at all, depending on which banks you're with, right? Correct. Actually, that brings to mind thinking about what the terms are going to be. So let's say, for example, I had a deposit, $200,000, but I didn't want to make contributions towards owning this property. Well, I could put in my two hundred grand. It could agree to service whatever shortfall there is for the next 10 years. And then when we sell, he gets his money back, I get my money back, and we split the profits. That could be one way of doing it. But it's really important you establish what these terms are from day one. Because if there is a disconnect with how we're putting in the money or what money we're putting in, that's where things come unraveled later on because later on it's, I'm sick of paying for this property. I need to get more of a return. Interest rates have gone up. I didn't think I'd be putting that much in there. So it is really important that that's clear. If you're putting in the same amount of deposit, the same amount of contributions, it's a little bit easier. But again, you want to have those terms there, especially like with a relationship, you want to have your exit terms. So on the basis that we no longer want to be in business together, how do we sell this property and does the other party have the right to buy the other person out? Because say it was going to trigger Brightline, for example, Ed might prefer to buy my half out rather than sell the property on the market and pay Brightline on his capital growth. I think the other thing just on that, at least take the numbers that you suggested. So Andrew's going to put in a $200,000 deposit. I'm not going to put in any, but I'm going to cover the cash flow top up. Let's say just ballpark that ends up being I put in $100,000 over the next 15 years topping that property up. Well, Yes, I might say oh, I'm sick of topping this up. It's more than what I thought it was going to be. But you might say, well, I've put in twice the money that Ed did. I put in $200,000 and he only put in hundred k. Now, in that case, you might say, oh, well, I should get two thirds of the profits because I put in more money. And you want to have those conversations up front. Now, in that situation, what you'd usually do is... 
you'd normally split the profits 50-50. Yeah. So, generally speaking. So you'd sell the property. This is typically what yeah. we'd at least yeah. see. Other people will have different opinions. But Andrew would get his 200k back. I'd get my 100k back. And then whatever's left over... 50-50 Right down the middle. Especially if it's a, if you're doing this with a partner, that's probably the fairest way of doing it. But you'd also just want to, in that situation, if we're going down this rabbit hole, is you'd want to really document how much money did I in that situation actually put into the property. Andrew's is really easy to see because he had to put it in up front. But if I'm putting in lots of different amounts of money, you just want to make sure, hey, how much have I actually put in? Keep a track of that. And of course, just thinking about that example before we where you're expecting to put in 100000 over the course of 10 years, say interest rates plummeted and all of a sudden it's making money and you're not having to put in as much money, that's where, again, not provisioning for all the things that could happen might end in me cutting off Ed and not returning his phone calls. Well, what would you do in that situation? Let's say we thought it was going to be 100k, it turns out to be 20k, would you be calling me up? Well, if it was you, I'd probably call you up and demand more share, but, but generally speaking, you'd normally just take your money back, that was what you agreed. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Radio, any other tips? Because you've done this a lot more than I have in terms of setting up successful partnerships, especially for people at the start, not wanting to buy a whole heap of properties like you did in that syndicate. I think what I've seen in any investment relationship that I've been involved in, it's really good to understand how people are going to allocate their time. So any of the syndicates I've been involved in were specifically around people's time. So I didn't have a lot of time to invest in renovating a property or project managing those. So someone else had to do that. So I think a good way of managing the relationship, not falling to bits when someone's spending 20 hours a week doing that and getting a bit sick of me just sitting there taking in the checks, is you probably want to pay that person an appropriate hourly rate for their work or a project management fee. So if you're doing it for an active strategy, that's probably the most important thing before everyone gets fed up. You know, I have seen that just generally in small businesses as well, where you've got four partners who are doing different jobs in my view, best thing to do is pay the market rate and yes. then split the profits. Yes. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you're looking to expand your investment portfolio in 2022, then you might like to come in for a complimentary portfolio planning session. That's where we're going to look at your goals and see how you might be able to use property to actually achieve them. Now, if that's of interest, What about your phone? Send us a text. Text the word PLAN to 5522 and we'll give you a buzz. See if it's the right fit for you. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Eric Knight. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.